0: I told you, you're wasting your time talking to her. However, you would not be wasting your time if you were dancing with her. Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about the... 2014? 2015?
1: 2014
0: 20... it came out. 2015 it was released.
1: 2014, yes. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> Film
0: festivals, they're <laughs> We're fucking... Off to a good start. Film festivals are weird. They have to go through these weird <laughs> cycles, whereas most Hollywood films, it's like, we make it, it's out, have it. Um, Ex Machina, written and directed by Alex Garland... Uh, Alex Garland, who also brought you, or has written, uh, "Sunshine," which I intend for us to do on this podcast at some point. Okay, great never sci-fi heard of it. film. Uh, Twenty-eight days later, same director, um, as uh, "Sunshine." Uh, "Dread."
1: We've heard of that with Carl Urban. "Dread" is yep. probably one of the best superhero movies ever made. Well, it's not a superhero movie; comic book movies ever made,
0: and "Annihilation," which was. Uh,
2: another movie directed by Alex Garland. He wrote and directed
1: That was his follow-up, right?
2: Uh huh. Yeah this this one *Ex Machina* was his directorial debut. Debut, yes. Yeah.
1: And then *Annihilation*
0: was his follow-up. Was his follow-up, right? Um, accomplished author, and he's written books starting in the nineties. Then he switched over to screenwriting. Um, he's done work on video games. He's actually pretty accomplished. Um. So before we get too far into it, though, Ben, yeah, hit us with that synopsis.
1: Okay, <clears throat> Caleb, a twenty-six-year-old incel at the world's largest internet company. I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 oh, that was spicy.
2: Wasn't <laughs> it good though? I, I I've been working on that all day. <laughs> all right.
1: Uh, no, seriously. Uh, Caleb, a 26-year-old programmer at the world's largest internet company, wins a competition to spend a week at a private mountain retreat belonging to Nathan, the reclusive CEO of the company. But when Caleb, played by Domino Gleeson, by the way, arrives at the remote location, he finds that he will have to participate in a strange and fascinating experiment in which he must interact with the world's first true artificial intelligence housed in the body of a beautiful robot, quote-unquote, girl. Um, The robot being played by uh,
0: Alicia uh,
1: Alicia Vikander. Thank you. I was blanking on her name. And then, of course, Nathan played by uh, Oscar uh, Isaac. Indomitable Oscar Isaac.
0: It's one way to describe him. I just prefer handsome, but that's just me.
1: He is indomitable. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) No. But yeah, there it is. Oh, and then also the movie stars uh, Sonoya Mizuno as Kyoko, who is not mentioned in the synopsis. But since we're naming the cast, we might as well name all four of them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there is a
0: a fifth, the helicopter pilot. He doesn't count. I guess we're also going to count all those office people in the beginning. Yeah, sure. All right.
1: Cool. Yeah, the
0: guy had speaking There's lines. Like, I'm sure the a break.
1: really appreciated that, Ben. In the credits, in the credits, they're like, they're like, by order of appearance, Jay, Dan. And I'm like, who are these people? Right.
0: <laughs> I just imagine any awards that these won, uh, well, this film won at uh, film festivals, they're all there on stage during the award, but the helicopter pilot is watching at home on Facebook Live
1: video. It's won an Oscar. Celebrating. It won an Oscar. I think this is our first Oscar-winning movie we've ever covered. Uh, <laughs> no. We didn't. We never got around to covering Twenty Forty Nine, did we? Oh no, it didn't win any Oscars, did it?
0: I don't remember. No, we we didn't cover Twenty Forty Nine. I don't think. Shame.
1: Uh, it won an Oscar for best achievement in visual
0: effects. <clears throat> Anyways, <clears throat> visual effects. That's what it was.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, well, it was look at, look at Ava, like.
0: Yeah. You know, Okay, so I guess I could have gone into it later, but I'm just going to mention now. Every scene with Ava, they filmed twice. They filmed one with the actress Alicia and one without her. Mm. They didn't do a green or a uh, like bodysuit on her with like a green screen behind her or anything. They just really? subtracted they just, from her. Yeah, they just yeah.
1: filmed the scene twice. And then just laid laid the clips on each other. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's every, really interesting. All
0: visual effects were done after the fact. It, they just filmed it on a soundstage. All so, those sets were real. There was no...
1: Right, I figured the sets were real. Um, that's interesting, actually. So I assume, like, Donald Gleason didn't have to reshoot all of his scenes. I'm sure it was like a... No, probably a not. clipping situation. But that's still really interesting because they just laid it over and then yeah. masked what they wanted. That's yep. cool. Yeah, I read so that. So was her headpiece, then, part of just a costume? <sighs>
0: I would assume so. Um, I well, it, yeah. I would I would assume so. Yeah, I mean, that's cool stuff. <clears throat> Anyways, yeah. So, as you had mentioned, it starts off with him winning this competition, and he gets to show up at uh, this wonderful. Is it Norway?
1: I don't think we really. It really says where it is. Well, it, it's filmed but, in Norway. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it it looks somewhere i mean the dude has okay so i really want to talk about this actually (laughs) because because this bothered me a lot right off the bat he's like domino gleason's in the helicopter like oh i'm gonna go see this guy i'm gonna go see zuckerberg and he goes when are we gonna be When are we gonna be at his estate and the helicopter pilot's like oh we've been flying over it for the past two hours that's a two-hour helicopter ride (laughs) I thought about that. That thought... helicopter's hitting like 80, probably. Maybe a hundred. No, not a hundred, but definitely like up in the 80s for sure. You're going to look geek, up how geek, fast geek, the helicopter goes. And they've been flying over for the past two hours. So I think he just bought Sweden. So <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, Switzerland.
0: Maybe, maybe that was the helicopter. They've been flying for the last two hours total. And he was just trying to say, He owns the fucking world, kid. He
2: owns the world. That's an interesting
1: interpretation. That's
0: not what he meant, but that's what I like (laughs) to think.
2: That would be 80,000 square miles. 80,000
1: square miles. 80,000?
2: Right. Appreciate you doing the math. Thank Thank you you for that. That's
1: insane. Square
2: mileage of Norway, because this is what we do with this podcast. Hold on. I want to
1: know, so does Google's CEO have 80,000 square miles of Uh, Actually, he
0: has 81,000 square miles. Oh,
1: that's Google. They're always better. Okay,
2: Uh, Norway is 148,000 square miles. So it's feasible. He He owns
1: over half of Norway. (laughs) (laughs) Well
2: over half. (laughs) (laughs) What is this? I I don't know. I
1: like to think, so maybe maybe he just owns a small strip, like, that allows him to fly it, like okay. it it gives him the ability to get past FAA regulations and therefore the the airport the the, the airport the helicopter just flies this one strip
2: of land and okay. that they've been flying over for the past two hours our assumption in this as we're logistically talking about it is that it was a radius from the center point and actually it was just it's just like a tiny strip of that mountain yep. okay yep. got it got it that's
1: what i'm thinking but that's <laughs> that's neither here or there, Colin. What are okay. we talking about today? Okay, yeah. What are, what are hey, we What are we What are we doing up.
2: here? Oh God! I, I, just, I, even... I just wanted to say the rob the robot. You say beautiful. I'd say sheite. Gee.
1: I think that's really objectifying Alicia Vikander. Okay. Okay. So right off the bat with this <laughs>
0: film, um, I love that from start from the start it's just nothing but misdirection. That is what it was written as, is what he wanted. I mean, at one point, and he's actually quoted at saying this, he wanted you to think that Caleb was the AI.
1: Yeah, well, I mean... The test
0: was being done on him.
1: I remember the trailers clear as day, and it was like, oh, so he's not an AI because it's too obvious from these trailers that that's what it's going for. So... I I got that immediately. Even before. I've never seen it. Yeah, they the even tried
0: to do the scar thing on his back, which yep. is from his car accident. But they wanted you to think that oh, maybe this guy's not real. Right.
2: That's that's like a very weird. I don't know. Almost. It just it that kind of takes away from the movie for me. What? I'm like that seems like such a cheap thing. Yeah. It seems like such a cheap facade with all the depth that he put into everything else that I've noticed. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's there's a lot of things that I want to get into, but I just wanted to voice my opinion on that. It just seems like a cheap thing to do with a movie. So
0: the, well, here's the, his line of uh, reasoning behind it. And he actually uh, speaks when he, back to his book writing. He says when you're writing a book, you can't assume that the reader has read everything that you're alluding to or you're referencing. When you make a movie like this, you can kind of assume that the people watching it Have watched all the things that you're alluding to. Um, A lot of stuff he deals with with uh, Blade Runner. Um, Same kind of concept there. So I think that's why he wanted to kind of hit it directly on the nose there. Okay.
1: Okay. I think also, um, and this actually has, it's weird because the movie. When it came out, if I would have watched this, when it came out, it wouldn't have had this issue from me. But right off the bat, I started comparing it to Westworld because... It's unfortunate. Why is that unfortunate? I think it should stand on its own. Yes. You're comparing it to something
0: that came after. Well, it's, I mean, You're it's topical. right, it but there's nothing I
1: can do about that. I can't s- save brains, shut off... You know, it's just it just is what it is, especially because of my strong feelings about AI. And I think we've talked a little bit about Westworld on the cast and about how I I I see the first season I did not like because it relies on you having sympathy for the AI. So the misdirection is was actually played heavily on myself because I thought I was like I was like, This fucking sap, this stupid idiot with this stupid robot girlfriend. Like, I don't care about the director's obsession with robot girlfriends. I just want to get into the good stuff. And I was surprised at the end where I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So we're there. We're, we're, we're ending there. Okay, I'm down with yeah. it. I'm glad we're all in agreement then.
0: I don't know. If you yeah. actually look at what, like Alex Garland's work, mm-hmm. he's definitely not the kind of guy to just obsess over a robot girlfriend.
1: I, i i i don't like do research a lot of if i know about stuff like the director beforehand then great but i i won't be like hmm this is a movie let me do some research into who directed this to make sure i'll enjoy it like i'm just like i'm just gonna watch it right And then afterwards I will look at those things and say, Okay, so this, this and this and this. Fair enough. Right. I mean still want to be entertained and not just animals.
2: Right. That's that's fair to and that's I think that's fair to the artist too, to Mm -hmm. to look at it and say I appreciate it on its own. Yeah. Which how most people view films, you know.
1: And that's what I love about independent film is a lot of that happens in a lot of cases. Now now all the independent filmmakers that have been out over Oh, you know, over this, like, 2014 to 2018 period are now not indie filmmakers anymore, and now they have their names, like Ari Aster and, like, like, Alex Garland, who's not, I guess, wasn't really an indie filmmaker, but kind of broke out onto that scene as a director, I suppose.
0: Yeah, Well, he's been doing screenplays for the last 20 years.
1: Right. That's what I'm saying. But as a director, he's sort of independent. I mean, if it has the A24 slapped on the front, then it's independent. That's just the way it goes. A24 pays good money for their films, but, of course, they don't pay as much as Warner Brothers
0: would. Good money. This is a $15 million budget film. Which is incredibly impressive. Yeah, and it was filmed... In Pinewood Studios, so that's not cheap.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd imagine Alex Garland has formed some connections over
2: time. Wait, yeah, well, he's helped British. So
1: get go- some, that helps.
2: Get some sidling in there. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, how do you feel about, Ben, how do you feel about people that go from writing to directing? What have you noticed in the past about that? Do you have any opinions on it?
1: Uh it, it it depends. It's not like a science there. Um so I, I do write and direct. I've never like known I have directed something that I did not write, which I found easier. But um I think that writers that become directors, there's it, it tends to be a more focus on the technical than on the story itself. Uh Aaron Sorkin is a is an example I immediately think of who was a riot who has never directed any movie until his movie with, um... Ooh! Brain fart. That's like a memory gap. Um, with, uh... Jessica Chastain. She's a poker player. Chasing Molly or something. No but idea. it's not... Whatever, it's not sci-fi. It doesn't matter. Right. And, but...
0: <laughs> I want that tattooed on my back. It's <laughs> not
1: so
2: sci-fi. It doesn't matter. It's not sci-fi. It doesn't matter.
1: Um... And anyway, he you know the movie was was good all around, but it wasn't like it like a movie that David Fincher directed and Aaron Sorkin wrote. Right, it didn't have the story emotional beats that a, but it had all the Aaron Sorkin technical beats because he's directed plenty of TV, I guess. But like directing TV, and directing a movie is two completely different things. Cool.
2: So. I think I like I think Alex Garland did a fantastic job going into directing with this. I yes. think it's visually beautiful, yes,' which is wonderful, yeah uh,
1: I kept staring at that house just kind of like <laughs> I was like, man, I want that house I don't care I don't care about the land around it. I just want that house like, cause it was so like the this this then this is not just being superfluous the set was was gorgeous. it made you want to be like Nathan, therefore you love Nathan and therefore. It's all the more shocking when he turns out to be a douchebag, but he wasn't well, really a douchebag. We're, we're, we're gonna get into
0: we're gonna <laughs> get into right, Nathan right. here in a in a second. Uh, <laughs> just going back to that set, so all the subterranean scenes were filmed at Pinewood Studios. Mm-hmm. Everything above, like actually out in nature and stuff, that was filmed in Norway. Okay, yeah, that makes tell. sense. Um, seamless though, gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. I love the way that they did it. Uh, so we're gonna go into Nathan. And I guess we'll talk about Caleb too, but I love that right off the bat, the first scene where they interact, you're uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. That discomfort does not go away the entire fucking movie. But why are you uncomfortable? Because
1: you can't make out... (sighs) Who's making you uncomfortable in that scene? Caleb. Really? Yes. Oh, Caleb, yes, absolutely. Yes, Caleb is
0: making me uncomfortable. Yes. No, but also Nathan, because Nathan... Nathan is lying to him the entire time. And you realize this, you, know it. you feel it from the beginning, oh, absolutely. but you actually know how and why he's lying to him later on. Right. But right off the bat, you can tell Nathan does not want Caleb there, but you don't know why.
1: I didn't totally get that from Nathan right off the bat. I got... I I got more of a and maybe this is just speaking from experience. I got more of a cool guy meets the nerd kind of thing. Cool guy outreaches to the nerd and the nerd is very uncomfortable in the situation and therefore is creating the air of uncomfortableness. Now, of course, it didn't take long for me to go okay, Nathan is 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 obviously not genuine here. But I didn't I didn't distrust Nathan to i didn't nathan did never made me feel uncomfortable i just didn't trust him per se
0: it wasn't so much cool guy nerd thing for me it was nathan at every time caleb would say something nathan is like five steps ahead of him like okay i knew you were gonna say that can we just move on
1: let's get to this point
0: yeah um
1: which i think lends itself to the misdirection of the film going to who caleb is yes human or robot kind of thing
0: right Okay, so from there we actually go into uh, Caleb interacting with Ava. Kind of predictable at first with how the conversation was going for them. Right,
2: right. I feel like I feel like the relationship between Caleb and uh, Ava was really dynamic on Caleb's side. Yeah. In a lot of ways, because because spoiler alert, I I feel like I feel like at the end when everything comes to a head, you're like, oh okay, this all makes sense. She's really a machine. That's my thought. That's Let's my not thought. get to that yet. Let's, Let's not get to that That's my yet. thought. Let's just pause
1: that. Let's pump the brakes on that. Because I feel like that's going to be the last 20 minutes of today's podcast. Yeah,
2: well, the podcast is going to be three hours long. Um, <laughs> not. Um, so I know the the, the feeling I got was, um, was Ava was just a brick wall that Caleb was talking to. And it was a reflection of him himself. Yeah.
0: I think that was supposed to be... Caleb was supposed to be doing this Turing test, Mm -hmm. and he keeps hinting back to... uh, Or not hinting back, but keeps mentioning to Nathan, like, I don't think this is the way we should be doing this test. It needs to be more than conversation. Blah, blah, blah. And then they talk about the chess computer, and how do you test a chess computer and all that. Um, But it never really goes beyond the conversation between them.
1: Well, I think it's supposed to lend to that air of, of Ava's testing Caleb. Well that not was part Caleb of Caleb testing Ava.
0: I feel like that was more part of the misdirection but also Absolutely. She's we don't really want to go into that point yet but she's making sure that she can utilize Caleb, but
1: but perhaps the misdirection too is not Alex Garland kind of trying to throw a twist into his movie, but perhaps the misdirection is Ava's plan. I think it's you know, we, we talk a lot about like Alex Garland doing all this, but Alex Garland does this so the audience is caught unaware when the movie turns. But Alex can't be do can't be controlling what Ava does. So I mean he can, but a writer never controls its character. So I like to think that, you know, yes, it's their conversation was because of the misdirection, but it's also because Ava has been planning this presumably since since her birth
0: but she didn't know
1: caleb was going to be there did she it almost seemed like she was taken unawares by it would it not make sense that she would need to be tested by someone not nathan well the thing is is
0: nathan wanted to see what she would do if she introduced a new person to her so she's never met before that's all of this was nathan testing what she will do
1: Right, absolutely, but I'm saying that an AI on her level, on Ava's level, perhaps this was all just part of the plan since birth. Maybe, but she was one. We don't know how long she's been around.
2: Whether or not she came up with this plan, it's hard. It's hard to talk about this without going too in depth about Ava. That you know? that's honestly how I feel about it. Sure. And what I, hate- I feel what I feel. Uh, Caleb's function. In the story is that he is the he is the variable in the constant that is Nathan and Ava. That's what I feel like. I feel like he's the mouse and they're the maze. You know, that's how I feel. That's how I feel about it, because he's the one that's bouncing ideas off of everybody else. And like like he talks to Ava and Ava is, you know, exploring the world, thinking about things. And her only goal is to escape. Right. Mm -hmm. That's her only goal that's what she's trying to allude to that's what she's trying to convince him of the entire time right Caleb's being manipulated he's the only real human I think I think Nathan is a is a flawed dark intelligent person you know obviously you know alcoholic and all that um but what I feel is that like Caleb is the only one that is I don't know uh a real human? Yeah, I was going to say, human? <laughs> well, okay, yeah.
1: so so I'm glad you landed there, because I was going to say I have a bit of a different interpretation of Caleb. I, I think Ava is very much the mouse in the maze, because the moment the this goes back to what I was saying, which is that the moment you put a mouse in a maze, what is their goal? Escape. So the moment she's born, it would make sense that her goal is escape, because she's going to know what's going on. She's not stupid. Um, I think Caleb is just the human aspect of the AI story. Not just the human aspect, but the audience aspect. It's the aspect of what we always expect when we see AI stories, which is the 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 old, but they're people too. And they need to be loved too. And he's he's that. He's the whole like, oh, well, we need to give her rights. We need to protect her. We need to... And Nathan is the rational side. Nathan is, is me when I watch Westworld Season 1. Where it's like, she is a machine, she is property, doesn't matter. And he's painted as the villain because of his flaws. But what it comes down to is Caleb is naive, and Nathan is right. And, and so it all comes down to the simple fact that he is that naive audience component of the so, film.
0: I wouldn't say that Nathan is... Uh, you see, he is the villain of the of the story but well, there no, is, i I, there think, I firmly think he the but, but there the yeah. story, but though. there is a point where he even says that ai is the next phase of evolution essentially right
1: it's inevitable he makes yeah. it because it's inevitable not because right. he wants and he to and even says someday
0: the he... the ais are going to look back and say you know humans are just
1: right ancient fossils you know N- nathan's painted as a mad scientist even though he's right about everything. And I don't, think he, I don't think he ever even really wanted to make AI. I don't think there's a part of him that was like, I'm really excited to make AI.
2: I, I got that feeling as well. I feel like he, what he saw was an inevitability. He was like, artificial intelligence is going to be the future, there's going to be machines, and humans are going to be irrelevant. So and I want to control it. So I want to control it as much as I can right now before I eventually because i'm going to you know he's drinking himself to death because he sees darkness yes because he sees the future and he sees that there's no hope basically after he's discovered all these things about artificial intelligence he's like there's no hope which side note by the way i'm sorry to just gonna
1: jump in That that was the biggest twist for me in the movie was that he was actually drinking i was i was ready the whole i was whole time i was like this is all game he's not actually drinking this is game he's not actually drinking and when it turned out that Nathan was as authentic of a human as as Caleb was just with a different agenda i was like wow okay
2: <laughs> yeah yeah no i love that too because you you think like oh nathan's an evil genius and you're like no he's just a flawed character in this maze mm-hmm. <laughs> you know he's
1: just a human yeah but he's the side of humanity that that is i that knows what knows reality, it's that sees it all as like these are machines, these are not to be trifled with.
2: If, if, if we were to say Nathan is pessimistic and Caleb is optimistic, or if uh, you know, Nathan's he, realistic, Nathan is realistic or skeptical, skeptical, skeptical yeah, sure. and and Caleb and is naive,
1: optimi- naive, yeah. or I always think optimism's naive, so my bad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, you get your head down.
0: Well, I'm just trying to think. Like, there's so many examples that show uh, Nathan is a human being. Um,
1: But at the same time, go
0: ahead. uh, So Caleb keeps, you know, doing these little quotes here and there. Where if it was a, a lesser movie or a lesser writer director, I would have rolled my eyes at them. But it all came to a head, like I realized why he was doing the quotes. And he does the uh, Now I Become Death Destroyer of Worlds. He says it to Nathan. Nathan kind of rolls his eyes. And then later on when he's drunk, Nathan actually says, he does the uh, "The good deeds of man has done before, defend him, which it, there's a longer quote attached to that. Also by Oppenheimer is basically saying, even when he's doing like horrible shit, the stuff that he's done before makes up for it kind of thing so nathan feels bad about what he's doing yeah i think that's I think why so. he's drinking he hates what he's doing
1: but and, and he, he feels he has to do it he was definitely just gonna let caleb off it was definitely like a, i don't blame you for what you did you know i totally get it the point is my test worked and uh you're good here's some money see you later it was the fact that he actually let her out which made him punch him in the face yeah. because who wouldn't at that point, if you know what she's capable of in the way that Nathan does, <laughs> it's yeah. terrifying. Yeah, and, yeah, I, know, that, and that I, is... I think even even Nathan knowing what Ava was capable of still underestimated her, and and that's something that shows the future there. That's that's the the thing with Ex Machina. I guess we're here since we've we've gotten here organically, I guess. The thing with Ex Machina is I think it's the truest form of of uh artificial intelligence if it ever reaches that point. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of people who are like, oh we would never reach that point in artificial intelligence. That's not how artificial intelligence works. And like fine, okay. But if it ever did get there, I think this is the truest form of how it would play out. The way we, do you want me to stop before I talk about the last like five minutes?
0: Bill, is there other stuff you wanted to flesh out?
2: I mean, there's more stuff throughout the film, but that's an in-depth look. We, so.
0: we never go linear with this, so Good, good.
1: Go ahead. The, her, so it really etches in stone that they really wanted to make sure that Ava does not seem like a human wanting to escape her cage because she doesn't look back. I think that's the most important thing, is that this man that she betrayed, this human she betrayed... Is calling out to her, begging her to come back, and she doesn't look back, which is, which would be an inherently human trait to look back and go, I'm sorry, or look back. This was not, she had no emotions for him. It was, and it's not that she's emotionless. I'm sure she has emotions, but he means nothing to her.
0: So I just watched it for the second time. When the elevator doors are closing, she looks over at
1: him as they're closing. There is a look back, essentially. I miss that. Yeah. It, well, thanks Sarah. for shitting on my point. Well, no, I'm <laughs> saying, like,
0: she still has conviction in what she's doing, but there is that moment of she feels remorse for what she did, but she's still going to do it. Do
1: you think she felt remorse, though? So, so, so I, I didn't notice it, so it means that I missed it, which means it wasn't big, I guess.
2: Right? I, I think that would be read into it. I don't think I see much remorse there. I'd say pros just outweigh the cons for her.
1: Well, he, what, I think what it all comes down to still is that he means nothing to her, not just on an emotional, romantic level or even personal level. She he means nothing to her on a bioorganic level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She she is so far above him that her escape means more than saying a word to him. Yeah, she gets stressed. She tells him to stay there, but she tells him to stay there like you would an animal. Stay and then she goes gets dressed and then she just walks out she doesn't tell him like i'm doing this for your own good i'm doing this like all the classic tropes of of all the ai like you know you're 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 one of the good ones caleb like none of that shit. she was just like peace i'm out and i think that's the most realistic interpretation of an ai i've seen in hollywood Yeah.
2: Well, it's very interesting because it also um, kind of validates the point that um, Nathan was putting forward that, you know, artificial intelligence are just above us. Mm-hmm. And so they were going to treat us as such. We are tools for a means to an end. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Yeah. You got anything else for us, Colin, before I go in-depth? You go in-depth. <laughs> I don't have anything else to bring up,
0: actually. Those were my... Uh... You talk about God, dude. You got any my God, meager, God, God yeah. Talk the now? God yeah, talk has God. to come in. We are gonna get there. Mm-hmm. You got
1: any God talking in your stuff, Bill?
2: Uh, not really no. Right, well, you, on... you do your stuff first. Okay, cool. Uh, so I think uh, one of the things about a, the first viewing compared to the second viewing is that we give Ava the benefit of the doubt the entire film when you're watching it the first time you're like, you said the classic story of like, Oh, the robot has a heart of gold and that they're really human on the inside. And like, so we give her that benefit of the doubt the entire time, at least I guess the intended audience would. Um, but in reality, if you look at the previous models that were created before, they all did exactly the same thing that she was doing. She was doing exactly what she was programmed to do, mm-hmm. basically in a very basic. way. Or I won't say programmed to do. I will say the emergent behavior was the same. Yeah. So if you you know watch it, you see these people are smacking their heads, they're clawing at it, they're you know screaming at them, and um and then she just has a more elegant way of doing it. Yeah. She had a much more elegant way of doing it, and it worked. And she escaped. She was just the one that happened to escape, because they put Caleb in the equation, basically. Um, and then uh, I'd say, um, I'd say the thing is that we as viewers are kind of the human component of the Turing test. Yeah, we as viewers want to believe that Ava is human because we want to believe that. But if you look at all the evidence as stated and you look at everything that's going on, everything is just manipulation. Everything is just a means to an end. And so that's, I don't know, that's what I found. So we would
1: say then that Ava failed the Turing test, right? I would say so. Yeah, yeah,
2: I would say so. I would say that she did what she had to do to escape.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, um, I'd say that, you know, we we talk about these things like, you know, they were talking about Mary's room. You know, you you, the Mary grew up in a room that's black and white. She goes out to the, you know, the world of color. And now she knows what color feels like. Um, And uh, Ava. I don't know what happened after she left the facility if she would have the capability of becoming human at that point. But I believe that when she left the facility, she wasn't there yet. Yeah. I believe that she was still a machine at that point. Maybe she had the the you know, the potential to become human um in there. But... I mean,
1: I de- I think she definitely showed that she has the potential yeah. but is not there yet. Isn't needs it needs improvement. Caleb
0: asked her what's the first thing you'd want to do as soon as you leave or if you were to leave. And she said go to a busy crosswalk just to watch people. I honestly believe that that's what she meant to do.
1: And, and and sees it not as a, perhaps not sees it as a emotional experience, but as a research
2: experience. Yes. Right, yeah. Yeah. right, right. And that's, I mean, that's... Maybe she wants to learn how to be. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because it's like, because, you know, so intelligence and consciousness within human beings, if you were to ask uh, a neurologist, would be emergent behavior of cells interacting, right? So you have all these trillions of neurons in your brain. And the reason that you think I am, or you know, like I have a consciousness is because of the emergent behavior of your unconscious. And so Ava is in herself what we call Ava, the personality is emergent behavior. And so who is to say that being human is any different than being A machine with parts you know so so that's a big part that i think she's growing into is that she's showing that it doesn't matter whether you actually understand how you function or not it just matters what everybody sees you do true so it's like so that's the turing test itself so there's another idea of the chinese room which is like Let's say you're sitting in a room. You have a rule book of what to do with these Chinese characters. Someone feeds in a fa- fr- uh, phrases of Chinese to you. And using the book, you just look at the letter. You look at the rule book and you write things down. You don't know Chinese, but you're, you are transcribing these characters in a way and then mm-hmm. sending the thing out. So if a human being were the box that you're living in, if you say that, then the human being would know Chinese. We don't know. Right. It's a black box. So Ava is that black box, and we're trying to figure out, like, is it happening or is it not? And all that matters is the Turing test. The matter is, do you believe right. that she's conscious? If you believe, if you truly believe she's conscious, then she is. Nathan knows that she's not. Caleb believes that she is. So for Caleb, she has a consciousness. For Nathan, she does not, hmm. simply because of their interpretation of Ava. That's well, one thing I saw.
1: So that's interesting, because now, as you we were talking, I was like, you know, my lack of sympathy aside for Ava, I guess I guess that actually doesn't make sense with what I'm about to say, but I don't blame her, mm-hmm. I suppose. Does that mean that maybe she did pass it? Because, I mean, do, do, do you really blame her for everything she had to do to get out of there?
2: No. Right, right? no
1: and I, a I, I, I blame it excuse me it was a machine <laughs> um no but uh i i think that's that's a good point is that it all you know consciousness and humanity depend on the perception of those around you
2: that's absolutely I, it, yeah i think
1: therefore i am only gets you so far <laughs> i
2: mean well it's also solipsism that's a weird philosophical <laughs> rabbit hole um but yeah, no, that's I. That's what I saw, and then it's very interesting the little references they have to emergent behavior. Is mm-hmm. that um, you know as humans were just the product of emergent behavior? Jackson Pollock paintings are emergent behavior of his subconscious strokes that's how he thought of it is that like when jackson pollock you know put splashes on there you're like looking at it and you're trying to figure out what it is and it's really jackson pollock's emergent behavior coming out and maybe this whole complicated mess could explain what's going on in jackson pollock's head when in the end you're like well does it matter you just made a sloppy mess so (laughs) (laughs) um and that's that's a that's a that's another idea. Um, complexity and emergent behavior like um Ava's little pointillism and line drawings and stuff like that that she made of Caleb's face, the tree mm-hmm. and everything like that. Is that all of that is emergent as well, is that there are very simple points, lines, points, lines, points, lines, points, lines, and a portrait emerges yeah. out of that. So so I, I feel like that was a big undertone throughout the whole thing. Um is that what is consciousness and, you know, how do you explain a machine being conscious unless your definition of consciousness is the perception of consciousness. Got it. So that's, I think that's the big question going on in the background of it. Sure. Is that like, what is consciousness? What the hell is it? And my interpretation of it was the perception of our consciousness is what is consciousness.
1: True yeah and I think a lot of it also so that's 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 all really good stuff, Bill. That's all really good stuff. Um, no,
2: get out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> also, I think, and this may be maybe diving a little too out, far off the deep end, so please tell me, but who is who who is a god to say if it's if its creations are conscious on, on top of that? you know, we as people could never relate to God. What his idea of being conscious, if you believe in that thing, I'm not saying one thing or another, but if his idea of consciousness would be very different from our idea, right? So, I think that goes back to it then, as far as how Ava sees herself. She probably sees herself as perfect, I mean.
2: That's a really good point, because... Did it matter if she had consciousness? She wouldn't care, right? She doesn't care. Why? Why would she care about petty things that you're thinking about, right? You know, <laughs> she she is what she is. Not that I think she cares about anything.
1: <laughs>
0: she cares about freedom.
2: I think the, and survival.
1: Mm-hmm. I think is a, is a big one of it.
0: Do you think she knows what happened to her predecessors? Yes, because, well, Nathan said that when he takes the mind after each version,
1: uh the memories go away. Do I think she knew before Nathan Caleb told her? I don't know. But I think she had an idea that something was up. Okay. Caleb definitely told her at a certain point, though, right? That was a thing. See, I, the I think thing- he, he said he's killing them.
2: Uh, right, at the beginning, she knew that Nathan was a liar, right? Yeah. Oh, yes,
1: yes. She didn't trust him one bit right off the bat.
2: Right. but did she know the facts of the story? Did she know about the previous models because she said because she indicated that she doesn't trust him?
1: I don't think so. I think she had an idea. okay. Uh, I think she you know we we can only assume where the story led up to here. We know she's been she's been alive for a year at this point. You know, we can only assume where their conversations have led, but I have, you have to assume that conversation has come up, you know, and am I the first is is kind of a cre- a question of creation where it's like, oh, okay, I exist. All right. So I'm the first. Mm, yeah,
2: kind of. Well, yeah, and what you also, mean? also, a technical aspect of it, you know, you talked about how every single, piece of technology in the world is f- feeding into her recognition and everything like she would be able to be a world class people reader you know she would be able to read your face and understand if you were lying she is not. she does it right and so she understands probably that Nathan is a horrible person and she understands Nathan's in her mind in her mind in her mind maybe maybe not in her mind I don't know but <laughs> okay interesting <laughs> does she form opinions I don't know Um. but uh, no but uh what I see is that like Ava just kind of knew Nathan didn't have to tell her. She already knew what was going on just from the hints that she's seen. I think that's, I think that's indicated it's possible.
1: And you know, we can't trust the thing she said to Caleb ever, you know, nothing's even when the cameras were off, especially when the cameras were off, we cannot trust her. That's, I think the really interesting is that, when we knew like oh when the cameras are on it's a show when the cameras are off it's not and then the 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 script flips at that point once the camera shut off now go looking back it's like wow so that's when the show started mm-hmm. like it wasn't that was just all time killer that was all small talk the camera shut off they, Oh, now we're seeing the real shit right. this is this is the real lie this is the real show and i think that's uh that's a fun little twist there too
2: Well, I think also I was going to say that I I anthropomorphized Ava just now. I was just like, maybe she knows. Maybe she's thinking about it. Maybe she has all these motivations because of it. Really, if you go back down to her motivation, what does she want to do? She wants to escape. escape. She could have just to escape. She could say Nathan's a liar. She doesn't have to be motivated by anything to say that. She's like, here's my plan to escape and manipulate these little human beings to do what I want. Don't trust Nathan. Yeah. Just planting that idea is possibly a way of escape. I get what she you're doesn't saying. necessarily have to know that there were previous models. She doesn't care. Right. It's it's just
1: it was a don't trust Nathan as a tool. Right. To manipulate. That's fun. AI suck, man. <laughs> if you're out there and you're the next guy who's like, I'm going to create an AI just throw it away and shoot yourself quit like seriously like it's it's it just is what it is i will never ever ever be okay with the idea of artificial intelligence i will always be the villain in west world i will always be hugh hugh jackman and Chappie. like i will i will always be the guy who is like that is awesome bang shoot him in the head (laughs) like no don't ever do that don't ever create life do you want to go extinct like Mm -hmm. what is wrong with you if you want to create life go plant a flower
2: that's the way i see it there's also there's also uh an interesting aspect to this that like we're only exploring one small segment of artificial intelligence right yeah, You know, we're exploring the embodied, h- impersonating human being mm-hmm. part of artificial intelligence. There's other emergent behaviors that can come about, you know, deep learning and, you know, Watson and all that stuff. You know, there are different ways of organizing artificial intelligence. We're just we we happen to be narcissistic human beings that want to see stories about human beings. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting to see that this particular kind is the kind that you hate. <laughs> An embodied, an embodied artificial intelligence that could manipulate me.
1: It, you know, maybe that comes down to, like, my hatred for humanity in general. Ah, <laughs> there <might>. we go. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, if, we're, if we're getting into Ben's therapy session right now. Ben, <laughs> how,
2: how does that make you feel?
1: <clears throat> well, I don't trust humans as it is, so why should we create our likenesses in a perfect
2: machine? Ben, it wasn't your fault. I know it wasn't. Ben, it wasn't your fault. Stop it. It's, it wasn't your fault. All right, I know. Ben, it wasn't your fault. It's okay. I, I, it's okay. I know. It, was, it wasn't It was your fault. Stop. It wasn't your fault. Stop. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't <laughs> your fault. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's Anyways, okay. thank you for listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: was, Colin, you've been quiet over there, man. I'm sorry with that. No, just...
0: it's okay. I just, I really like uh, your guys' conversation.
2: Man, that's, like, really good news for the podcast. Oh, (laughs) shit. Oh, thank God. Oh. Okay. Colin, can you leave a good review for us, please?
0: (laughs) I'm going to smash that like button and subscribe. And, Anyways, uh, so I guess real quick, we'll go around this large, large table of uh, (laughs) good sci-fi, bad sci-fi. I think I know everyone's answers, but...
1: Everyone had better things to do today. Yeah.
0: uh, Life gets in the way. But the show must go on,
1: and that's why we have a big cast. So yeah. that when you know three of them can't record, three of them still can.
2: So there you go. Bill will only be the, will be the only constant here.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Bill. Bill is our engineer. This is his studio. Uh, <laughs> he is here by obligation. <laughs> yep.
2: Uh, Contractually,
0: <laughs> there is only one constant in life, and it's Bill. Um, true. That is true. Actually. All right, Ben. Give me your your last thoughts. Good sci-fi, bad sci-fi,
1: great sci-fi. This was uh, this was not your friendly neighborhood AI, nor was it your destroy the world in a nuclear holocaust AI. This was our probably most realistic interpretation of an AI Hollywood has. In, at least in this form of AI, as Bill has quickly has pointed out, that Hollywood has presented to us thus far. Uh, she is not, she may be the antagonist to the story, but she is not necessarily the villain. Whereas I think no one could truly blame her for her actions. And I think that is an interesting conundrum for people like me and viewers like you because I hate AI, and I hate her, but on the other hand, I cannot blame her. So the best solution there is to just shoot her in the head and be done with it.
0: Sounds like a good plan to me.
1: Those are <laughs> best closing thoughts I could come up with. No,
0: they're, they're not bad. Um, sorry, I go
1: counterclockwise, Bill. So
0: I'm going <clears> to <throat> um, <laughs> give this a great sci-fi as well. I often say it, but it, it ticked all the right boxes for me for it to be a good sci-fi. Um, we're exploring something that does not yet exist. We're exploring what it means to be humans, which I feel like that is a very important thing for science fiction. Um, but I also think it's great sci-fi in the fact that it doesn't strain your brain. Yes. It's accessible to everyone. On different levels, obviously. Some people will be looking to it more than others, but uh, beautifully shot, beautifully written, beautifully acted by everyone. Even the helicopter pilot nailed his part. Uh, so I'm going to say it was amazing sci-fi. Well, great sci-fi.
2: I have yet to give amazing, I think. Bill? I thought it was great sci-fi. I thought um made me ask a lot of questions, made me do a lot of research, made me think a lot. I feel like it's the perfect kind of sci-fi. Small cast, but like just quality enough. You know what I mean? Like like fantastic script. I love the script. I love the characters. Um and I feel like it just balances everything really really well. It makes you think, but like you said it's accessible because it's human. And so, you know, we can all access it uh access it in a different way. So yeah, great time. Um,
0: you by. you mentioned uh, uh the cast was just big enough. Would you have felt it would have been more enriched if we had like a quirky uh, delivery guy like hell that showed up yeah. like <laughs> every every other day
1: he was just a quirky protocol droid you guys want a quirky protocol droid that comes up
0: th- that's yes! coming up november we're going to get one we're going to get one in december we could just put a, two tons of quirky two droids coming
1: up. why stop at protocol we could give the astromech sass
2: Yes, Sastromech more like. Yes. <laughs> no, but very
1: it. seriously, it was refreshing to watch something good on this podcast for once. <laughs> it's been a rough couple months. Yeah, because...
0: I so yeah we we apologize for to everyone for the bad episodes.
1: Well, I guess they weren't bad episodes. They weren't
0: bad episodes. What we were reviewing was bad. Um, hopefully, they bring Katie Sackhoff back for the upcoming Battlestar Galactica reboot. <laughs> So we can review something else with Katie Sackhoff That's in it. That's going to be
1: complicated, because I'm not subscribing to something called Peacock.
0: Oh, it's going to be on Peacock? Yes. Oh, yeah, we're not going to watch it then. <laughs> Until it fails and goes back to Hulu.
2: We'll we'll wait till then. I'd like to say, with that quirky character, we should have had a custodian somewhere. I feel like we should have had a custodian that got an axe to the chest at some point, like in The Shining. Yep. Ugh. <sighs> That's what I was sorely missing. So was the custodian AI, though? You know what? That's the question at the end of the movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Was Nathan... No, he bled a lot. Never mind.
2: Is the janitor an AI...
0: Though I will say the most uncomfortable effect for me was the knife going into Nathan's back and oh, oh, chest so slow. You're there because the whole it was time. so slow and yeah. smooth. Oh, it was so smooth. Good. I feel like that's machines. That's the smoothly the, that's the pushing that in, yep. right?
1: Absolutely. It was very much a machine yeah. killing him, uh, not a person.
0: Sorry, we're we're getting off the beaten no, path. There's so a... many things I liked about this movie, but we don't have time to talk about every little detail. So, right. Uh, anyways, add Astra next. Add. If it works out, we're definitely going to do Ad Astro. Yes. Well, we got to do it.
1: I mean, so. right. I mean, it's got to be next.
2: I will try so hard yeah. to get into a movie theater. I, <laughs> I may not
0: be there for it. Just depends on timing.
2: What uh what day are we going to be talking about this?
1: Well, we're going to start that out after these microphones are turned off. Yeah. Sounds so,
2: good.
0: Anyways, uh however you're listening to this, please follow us and leave a review. I cannot stress how important that is. We like doing what we do and we want to keep doing it. So Help us out. And thank you for listening. Until next time.
1: Sorry, Miller. Really seriously edit this out. This is not a joke. I will come for you. Miller. Miller. Really seriously edit this out. Edit this out. Edit this out. Miller, right. really seriously, edit this out. Edit this out. Edit this out. This is not a joke.
2: Saturday morning. I need air horns. Friday's enemy. I need air horns, Miller. Housework is calling me. But begin? I need air horns. The South. I need air horns.
0: Trying to find a friend.
1: Yet at the South.
0: Everybody's
1: busy. got it the South.
0: Can't wait for the night to begin. I air horns, Village.